to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What, the podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And today, we're playing catch up. <laughs> we, uh, we, we did it bad? No. Uh, it's that time of year where a ton of movies come out, and we've, we've seen a lot. 16. Yep. We've, we've uh, really been taking advantage of you know, uh, Tuesday night specials in our area and some streaming stuff. So we've seen a lot of movies that we haven't talked about. So uh, we need to do that. We've got a lot to get through, a lot of highs, a lot of lows. <laughs> so we're going to start with Ghostbusters Afterlife. When a single mom and her two kids arrive in a small town, they begin to discover their connection to the original Ghostbusters and the secret legacy their grandfather left behind. Okay, so I'm the only one who saw this. David was very adamantly a no. Yeah, I had heard horror stories already. And the marketing for this movie, I really think, undersold the point of the story they were trying to tell. So I have been on record since the second this film was announced that the title was wrong. It needs to be flipped. It needs to be Afterlife, a Ghostbusters story. (laughs) <laughs> because that lets you know, okay, we're going to be tied to Ghostbusters, but we're going to tell a new story. We're going to we're going to continue on wherever we left off. So you can you can have a little bit from the original franchise, you can have a little bit from the Lady reboot that everyone panned but it was actually quite awesome and have some fun with it. Okay, cool. We're just going to play in the Ghostbusters world. That worked great for Solo. A Star Wars story. Rogue One, a Star Wars story. That's great. It just lets you know this is the universe we're going to be in, but we're not going to rely solely on you knowing every tiny bit about the original or the whatever, the, the franchise as a whole. This movie, if it had been marketed that way, would have been presented perfectly because that's what it is. It does tie so much to the lore, but if you don't, I haven't seen Ghostbusters or Ghostbusters 2 in easily 15 years. <laughs> and I didn't need to to catch the cultural references that are made throughout this film. It is so enjoyable. If you like Ghostbusters, you will like this. It's also a really big love letter to Harold Ramis. Yeah. And his own family was very proud of what they did with this film and this story. And that to me is what means the most. Uh, when you when you have to like kind of recreate a character who's played by an actor who's no longer with us that the family approves, that means a lot. It is so fun. You should see it. <laughs> I'll have to. I, I know one of the big problems in the marketing of this movie, too, was that at every moment when I saw a trailer, it felt like we're doing a gritty Ghostbusters update. Mm-hmm. And that's not from every indication that you talked about. It was at all. No, not not even a little bit. I think they just totally screwed it. And part of the problem is that this is under mouse ears now. Like this fall, this is one of those movies that falls into the got acquired through Disney and they haven't been marketing it well issues. We've been seeing that a lot with the other studios that Disney acquired in that Fox purchase, that those movies are getting short shrift a lot of times. Well, I I don't think it's fair to say it solely that. You also have to remember this was supposed to be released in 2020. That's that's a huge part, too. <laughs> so the marketing got started and then had to get pulled completely back 
And then at this point in 2021, it's let's shove everything that we have sitting on the shelf out because people are going to the movies. This is our shot to make some money off of it because we have other things coming out that we know are going to make that much more if we're able to focus on them. I I would agree. I don't think it's just mouse ears because mouse ears knows how to push their shit. I think this one got has is definitely a film that's been caught in the pandemic half often. I hope so. I hope it's just a short-term issue of we have a glut and so we've got to get it released so that we can get back on the normal release schedule. Well, that's part of why we've seen so many movies right now because there's so many things coming out every single week for the last couple of months that we're just like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And that's why we're behind here. (laughs) So I will I will at some point be sitting down and watching this. Based on that recommendation alone. Cool. Next, we saw House of Gucci. When Patrizia Reggiani, an outsider from humble beginnings, marries into the Gucci family, her unbridled ambition begins to unravel their legacy and triggers a reckless spiral of betrayal, decadence, revenge, and ultimately murder. My opinion has changed a little bit on this movie based on the quality of stuff we've seen. Okay, this is what I'm going to say. This movie is a lot of fun. Oh, it's fucking fun as hell. This movie is so fun. We had a real good time. Yeah. This movie is not good. No. It's not. It's not good. It's not bad. It's not bad. Adam Driver, Lady Gaga, Jared Leto are all fabulous. They are. They're just fun. Pacino's fun. Pacino's fun. They're playing ridiculous people and they're clearly enjoying their time together. That's great. And that's fun to see. The story is not presented well because they're trying to do too many things. Uh, There's a little bit that. And then also like, you know, at first I was like, Jared Leto's amazing in this. And then I found out who he's based on. I was like, oh, Jared Leto's amazing at being a cartoon because this is not at all who this person actually was. And none of these people are who they actually were. That's okay. Yeah. But I did, there was a a hint of like, oh, so you just fucking like totally cartooned this up and you made it silly and ridiculous, Mm -hmm. which is fine. But I don't think anybody needs to, you know, think that it's anything groundbreaking that Ridley Scott gave us here. Like, he sort of did a job and let these people kind of go bonkers. The performances are probably going to get some nods just because of the strength of them. Gaga and Driver are both that good in it. Leto, I could maybe see, but probably not. But the whole ensemble is really fun to watch. It's just a fun movie. And if you're at all interested in fashion, it's extra fun, especially about, you know, because I remember some of this stuff in the 90s. And it's just, it's just, it's fun. And it's a bonker story. It is a bonker story. Uh, Yeah, it's just the story itself wanders too much for it to be good. But the performances are great. Definitely getting a makeup nod because Jared Leto looks like a completely different human. But he's really entertaining. So, you know, I got to give him that. Next we saw Encanto. A young Colombian girl has to face the frustration of being the only member of her family without magical powers. This movie is precious. Wow. <laughs> love, love it. This makes Frozen look like trash. I was not expecting Disney to go that hard on some real deep stuff. It's great. And this is 
I mean, you can love Hamilton all you want, but this is some of the best music that Manuel has written because it sounds, you can see the bits that are him without it taking away from the thing. Yeah, and it's it's really necessary for the story to pack the punch that it does. Not just the music, the script. Like, in a perfect world, I would give this a screenplay nod because of just how wonderfully the story is tied together. In a different year, I could see it happening. It won't happen this year. No, there's too much other stuff. It's, like it's, it's a crowded year, but it is excellent. And I think my my favorite thing for me that I didn't realize until I was watching the film is that here we have a Latin family and all of the children look different. Mm-hmm. They're triplets, but they look different. And I had never seen that shown in a Latin family. And I... MBI and POC, and that is my family. We all look different. We all are different shades. And that's always been a really awkward joke in our family. And so it's like, I've never seen them do that before, ever. Not in like live action television. So to see it in a cartoon, super important and really cool. We've dealt with a lot of criticism and really thoughtful discussion about colorism in mm-hmm. film recently. And what's interesting is that in this year, we've had a lot of movies and a lot of stories that directly confront that issue in different ways. I just think it's, yeah. I agree. It's a, it's a really refreshing thing, especially for a Disney movie. Absolutely. And that's what, to me, makes it so much more important because of all the kids who are going to see it and be like, hey, my family looks like that. Get prepared to get gut punched with feelings and then also giggle wildly because it's very, very fun. It's hilarious. I love it. Next, we saw 8-Bit Christmas. In 1980 Chicago, a 10-year-old sets out on a quest to get the greatest gift of his generation, the latest and greatest video game system. And so begins our Christmas movies. (laughs) Yeah, so we've tried to do this in as close to the order that we watched them. I think so. But some of these are streaming holiday movies, so it's kind of hard to know exactly when we watched them. This film was super fun. And I love the conceit. The conceit is great, but it's too long. It's a it's a two hour plus movie for a story that really only needs ninety minutes. It's it needs to be a tight ninety because within the first ten minutes, you know what the story like. The trailer tells you exactly what it's about. That's fine, but we take we wander so much, and it's just like this. The no, no, thank you. You know, on the flip side, Steve Zahn is killing it in like lesser streaming kids movies right now in this amazing way he has found his niche in weird dad he's being weird dad and it's awesome (laughs) he used to be weird stoner guy for a while Uh or guy who you thought was a stoner but no he just talks that way and now that he's older he's just weird dad and he's my favorite weird dad i love him great jundai and ray feels great the kids are super fun it's it's just a story that was like Y'all didn't have a third act, clearly. You just didn't think that through. (laughs) They tie it up in a bow nice, but it's just, it's a long movie, but it is really fun. That's cute. HBO. Need a little late Christmas fix. Go for it. Mm -hmm. Next, we watched A Castle for Christmas. To escape a scandal, a best-selling author journeys to Scotland, where she falls in love with a castle and faces off with a grumpy duke who owns it. This is so dumb. (laughs) 
this movie is so dumb, but it was fun to watch. Last year we had the the Roblo Kristen Davis. This this is that movie. This Christmas year. in the Wild. Uh-huh. This year, Brooke Shields and Carrie Elways. Like we say that, and like because every other line. I can say, yeah, my dick. Or you, just, you turn some, it turned into something inappropriate for the subtext that's going on, and it's really fun. And that was this movie this year. This is the quintessential sit down with a cup of hot cocoa and just play on your phone for half an hour mm-hmm. while you giggle every once in a while at a joke. It's one of the. It's it's just cozy. It's cozy as fuck, and like. What's fun is you get to watch Brooke Shields and Carrie Elways both know that they're in a ridiculous movie, and mm-hmm. then they just get to ham it up for however long. Yeah. And the supporting Scottish cast is very adorable. It is very cute. It's just a cute movie. Next we watched Single All the Way. Desperate to avoid his family's judgment about his perpetual single status, Peter convinces his best friend Nick to join him for the holidays and pretend that they're not in a relationship. This is my new favorite holiday romance film. It's so gay. It is so gay in the best way. This is what the Kristen Stewart movie last year really we wanted it to be. Yeah, there's nothing icky in this film. No. Nobody does anything bad. Other than the parents being (laughs) way too overbearing. Like they're all way overbearing because they're just really concerned and they're loving, but like in, in a benevolent way. (laughs) <laughs> and nobody does anything bad. Nobody's like shifty. The only like bad thing is like the guy wants his friend to pretend to be his boyfriend. And like he instantly is just like, fuck no, this isn't happening. The second he finds an out, that story is done. <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. And it's just sweet. It's sweet. Don We Now Our Gay Apparel is going to be my favorite new line. <laughs> it's fabulous uh, uh, i i love it i i want to watch it again because it was so fun we probably will we, we pro- will we will we will be sitting down just as as filler time to be watching that movie again and again and again go watch it then we watch the princess switch three romancing the star when a priceless relic is stolen queen margaret and princess stacy enlist the help of margaret's cousin fiona she teams with a man from her past to retrieve it, and romance results in a very unexpected switch. Okay, I think the second one's my favorite. This one sucks. The first one is adorable. The second one's ridiculous and fun. It's so fun because we get Fiona because like now there's a third one. And this one, it just took way too long to get to them switching. The plot is so convoluted. <laughs> it's just, it's not fun. It's, it's just not fun. The fact that you have to introduce a plot with a relic of the Catholic Church now has to be brought for Christmas, mm-hmm. which does make sense because you got St. Nick, right? Like sure. there's there's a fun tie-in, but they just took so long to get to that point. And like by the time we get into the meat of the story, which is the interesting idea of Fiona being lonely, which mm-hmm. is a really interesting take, we've already tuned out. <laughs> It's just not very good. Go watch one and two. Enjoy it. They're perfect, wonderful, stupid Christmas movies. Mm. Now back to regular movies. Next we watched Tick, Tick, Boom. On the cusp of his 30th birthday, a promising young theater composer navigates love, friendship, and the pressures of life as an artist in New York City. This movie is a 
fucking slam dunk. Up there in the top of the year, for sure. It's in my top five for the year, for sure. Andrew Garfield, the hype is real. And I'm not even an Andrew Garfield fan. Like, I don't care. I understand why people love him, but I'm like, meh. He's so good. (laughs) He is amazing and so captivating. And he does have the voice of an angel, which has been made into a joke, but it's absolutely true. And I know a lot of people don't like Lin-Manuel and he's overexposed. But let me tell you something. Directorial debut, hit it out of the park. This movie is so much a love letter to Broadway and Jonathan Larson, who Lin-Manuel has talked about about how there would be no In the Heights, there would be no Hamilton if it hadn't been for Jonathan Larson's rent. Like, it wouldn't exist. And you can feel that in this movie. The jokes and all the cameos are fun. And the the in and out of the, the fantasy sequences and the reality are so well done and lovingly. I would be so excited for him to get a Best Direction nomination. I don't expect him to win, but I I think it warrants a nomination. I don't disagree. What I worry about in thinking about it now is that we have a little bit of, of theater syndrome with this movie, and I don't know how much in general the public will, and also the Academy, will latch on to that. I hope they do. I hope I'm wrong, but I do worry about that. Here's the thing. People are sick of shitty musical adaptations. This is very true. We don't have tolerance for it. You make an amazing piece of theater and you want to adapt it to film. You have no excuse for fucking it up. Not anymore. God damn no, it. like we went through our musical series. You have to hire the exact right people who love your stage musical. That's key. You have to love the stage musical to be allowed to take a crack at a film adaptation and the changes you make have to serve a purpose. It has yeah. to be, we wanted to do this on stage. We couldn't, we weren't capable of it. That's why we're going to do it here. Or here's an opportunity for us to fix something we wish we would have done in the musical. We're going to do it here. That's, that's what you do, but it has to be a love letter to the stage musical. I don't care what musical it is. That's what it's supposed to be when you make a film adaptation. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. We've had a lot of musicals this year. I think this one, while it is a smaller film, is gonna gonna blow through the noise because of its quality. If nothing else, even if you're not a musical fan, go watch this. It's that good. It is. It is. It that really good. is that good. Just as a movie. Next up, we watched King Richard. A look at how tennis superstars Venus and Serena Williams became who they are after the coaching from their father, Richard Williams. The performances are are the thing here. The performances are the movie. Yes. I don't say that to like denigrate it. It's it's a pretty straightforward biopic. Yes. With the caveat that Venus and Serena were very involved and they tried not to pull too many punches. Mm-hmm. even though they were telling a very specific part of their story. They try to explain it. was like, Richard was overbearing. Now, Richard was never, as far as I know, abusive, but he mm-hmm. was overbearing Yes, for a purpose, and that also complicated things. I like that they don't paint him as perfect or as a saint. Because he wasn't. He wasn't, and that it was hard, that like this was hard. But this is definitely a man who had a vision for his children, mm-hmm. and he wasn't going to compromise on that. And those children were on board for this vision. Yeah. So, okay. 
And of course, we know the results of that. Two of the best tennis players that I've ever seen uh, in the world. Fabulous. The fact that it's telegraphed in the movie is is phenomenal. It's, it's great. Just the moment where you see Venus with the beads in her hair. Was, that gave me chills because I remember when they started playing with those. And I remember the controversy around them, too. It was beautiful. I loved it. it just, oh, it, it, it was great. It's a fabulous movie. The movie itself. It was doing a lot, but it was really enjoyable. The woman who plays the mom, Anjanu Ellis, she steals the fucking show. Will Smith is doing a great job without hamming it up too much. He gets his little jokes in. He's endearing, which you need him to be. But mom, oh my God, that woman is sassy as fuck. She rises to the occasion of being across from Will Smith and she does it well. What I really like about Will is that he very easily could have made this a caricature of yes. Richard. And he really, I mean, he's talked about it in so many interviews. He was really, really invested in telling the story the right way. Mm-hmm. And so he shows that with the care that he put into the accent, with the stance and, and the way he carried himself in the performance. He really, really was like, I want to do this right <laughs> mm-hmm. because I really care about this story. Yeah. And so I think that's where I think his performance is going to get a lot of love. I think it deserves it because of the heart that he's putting into it. He's not just like, I'm here because I'm Will Smith and I'm that good actor. It's like, also, I really find this story important and awesome and I Mm want to tell it right. And I think that's the biggest thing for me from from his performance. It's good. It's not the best, but it's very good. In a different year, it might have gotten more play. But again, this is a film that got held back this is definitely it's a crowded year and so i don't i don't know that it's gonna win anything we'll have a lot to talk about with trends later on as we look at you know overall and and how everything clicks into place but Mm -hmm. you know it's just a really solid movie and if you do get a chance to watch it it's a great story Mm -hmm. it's a really good story next we watched the power of the dog charismatic rancher phil burbank inspires fear and awe in those around him When his brother brings home a new wife and her son, Phil torments them until he finds himself exposed to the possibility of love. This is a very slow movie. I mean, it's Jane Campion. It's Jane Campion. We like her. Love the piano. Have nothing but praise for the piano. This feels a lot like that. But the way it's presented, um, it's got chapters. This is based on a book. And... It's paced like a book instead of being paced like a movie. I find it interesting in that she, out of a lot of directors that, w- that have gotten play this year, because we have a lot of you know directors who've been nominated before, and there's a lot of talk between those directors about really wanting the chance to see these movies in the cinema. They mm-hmm. really thought about wanting this as a cinema. Jane Campion hasn't been one of those directors, and I really think Jane Campion made this for streaming. I think she knew this was going to be seen mostly on streaming services. Mm -hmm. And I feel like almost paced it that way. I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying it's something that happened. See, if you wanna if you wanna make a movie for streaming, you make a miniseries. I know, right? (laughs) And that's the mistake. This film is good. Uh, the performances are great. Cody Smith McPhee is fabulous. So interesting to watch, Mm -hmm. especially against Benedict Cumberbatch, two gentlemen who have complicated names and an, an unusual look about them. Yes. Um, they're both attractive men, 
but they both look they're not conventionally attractive. No, they they both have such angular features. They're so interesting together and this film is a very quiet film and it's just it was very interesting. It's definitely a slow movie, but it was very interesting to watch the whole thing. Yeah. I mean Benedict's <laughs> get Benedict's getting nominated. There's just no there's no two ways about it. I will say like at the end of the day, it is probably one of the best of the year. It has been, mm-hmm. I think, for critics, the best of the year so far, mm-hmm. for or for many critics. That's, you know, we yeah. still have a lot to go. Sure. I think the pacing is off, and I almost wish we had the pacing of There Will Be Blood in this movie, because there is an intensity from the beginning, but it never moves swiftly enough for that intensity to be maintained. Yes. There Will Be Blood is a very quiet movie until it hits an explosive point. Mm-hmm. This movie doesn't do that enough. Uh, agreed. I think the writing is better than the directing here. I think the writing is magnificent. It's such a wonderful exploration of toxic masculinity. Hmm. <laughs> and I, I also have to put praise for Kirsten Dunst, who really does an amazing job. I don't know in a crowded year if she will get an, a nomination, mm-hmm. but she is very, very good performing the role that she has to play in the movie. Hmm. I think it's just directing wise, it was almost too small for the story it was trying to tell. Hmm. Fair. Jane Campion needed to think a little bit bigger with this because it's like, even if I'm watching this on a small screen, I'm expecting it to feel like a movie. <laughs> Fair. I, th- I, th- I think all that makes sense. Just a three-part miniseries though. Yep. If you're gonna If you're gonna lengthen it out, Make it three hours, put it in three parts. I'm good. Next we saw Spider-Man No Way Home. With Spider-Man's identity now revealed, Peter asks Doctor Strange for help. When a spell goes wrong, dangerous foes from other worlds start to appear, forcing Peter to discover what it truly means to be Spider-Man. This movie made me cry. Yeah, a lot. Like, hit me in the feels. Last third of the movie, I'm like tearing up half the time. Like, this movie makes you feel high and sad at the same time. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's so good. And, no, like, I, you know, we like the Marvel Universe. We're here. We're enjoying all of it. We're enjoying the TV shows. We like, we, we're, we're here to enjoy it. We like the MCU. This is the best film they've made thus far. I am annoyed at the discourse that has cropped up around it. And mm-hmm. I'm annoyed at the fact that seemingly people within the MCU have bought into that. The Martin Scorsese of it all is very, very annoying because Martin didn't say anything that was remotely denigrating what the MCU does. He was making a point about the industry. Which is fair. Yeah. It was just so good and fun and heartbreaking. And just if you know all the in references, it's just that much, that many layers of enjoyable. Yeah, I... I do question whether this stands alone. I feel like you might have to have gone through the Spider-Man a little bit. I feel like it did not pay off as well without having seen at least one Andrew Garfield Spider-Man as well. So yeah, we had never... Okay, because y'all know. Y'all know, you know. We're not going to spoil things, but you know. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I I distinctly remember the whole event about the Tobey Maguire films. I saw all of them except for the third one. So we just watched the third one because I had never seen that. And then we're like, well, we never saw the Andrew Garfields because we didn't care. Mm-hmm. 
at that point, the MCU was really going. So we're like, yeah, we're going to focus on that because Thor. <laughs> <laughs> so we caught up on that. We watched the first one. We, we haven't seen the second one. And so that was nice to have some of those references. And it was just fun. It was fun. And it just, it was, again, it was a love letter to Spider-Man, the character, to the people who have played him, the people who created him. It just is, I love, it's a I love Spider-Man movie. It's great. And uh, I mean, honestly, I know there's Oscar buzz about the film because the studio wants to set forth that it deserves that consideration. It is that good. There are moments that are just Tom Holland's face. What he's doing acting wise is phenomenal. And, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad at it. I don't think it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be mad about it. We'll just have to wait and see. I just I know it's a weird. Can they all stop fighting. That's really what I want. I just want all of them to stop fighting. Yeah, Everybody play nice, especially because party Scorsese is 80 and I don't even think he hates you that much. He don't he can't. Here's the thing. He can't be bothered by you bitches. That's really what it is. My my favorite thing is seeing memes of people being like, he lives so rent-free in your head to all the like horrible fans out there. Horrible fans and mediocre directors. I'm screening movies in my backyard doing commentary for Criterion films and thinking about the next epic four-hour thing I'm going to make. Like, I do not care. Uh, stop fighting. Next we saw West Side Story. An adaptation of the 1957 musical that explores the forbidden love and the rivalry between the Jets and the Sharks, two teenage street gangs of different ethnic backgrounds. I'm surprised how much I loved this. Steven fucking Spielberg. (laughs) So like I said previously about Tick, Tick, Boom, that you have to be in love with the musical in order to make this musical. You can tell, and then I read later in the trivia, because this is confirmed, Steven loves this musical. And he wants to get it right. And he wants to do a good job. Um, that also speaks to Tony Kushner. He wants to get it right. The adaptation makes the 61 film look like trash. And the 61 film is not bad. It's not bad, but it makes it look like trash compared to this. This is phenomenal. It is. The cast is fabulous. The updates they made are more in line with the Broadway production and like the, like the song order, mm-hmm. which is great. They went all in on anybody, which is a character that when if you do not know who they are, is fabulous and needed to be done. And I loved it. And there's articles about how they did that. And fabulous. Love it. Um, And it's beautiful. It is gorgeous. Having not seen Schindler's List, I can't say that this is his masterpiece, but it's very close. We, you know, we we did a Spielberg series. This is a top five for him. Some of the shots he's doing, I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen you do shots this amazing. Like, these are not shots I typically see out of Steven Spielberg. Because they're musical shots. They're gorgeous. His his use of color. And to me, you know, you mentioned Tony Kushner. I think the biggest star of this movie is that screenplay. The way that he deftly adapted things without making massive changes. I felt the same way about Little Women. Yes. And that like, this is a fabulous adaptation. The script really is phenomenal. Um, It will get nominated, no doubt. I mean, is this going to get nominated for everything? Cast wise, Bernardo, Anita and Riff. Mm -hmm. Give give them all nominations because they fixed Riff for me. Truly. Yeah. We we talked about this a lot in the car on the right, on the right home. But 
Tony and Maria are not the main characters. They are the inciting incident to the drama of this show. Yeah. They are not the main characters. So we're not going to give them a bunch of attention. But they gave framework to fix Tony's character that makes him make sense in this world. God, it was so refreshing. The second they did that, like five minutes in, I'm like, oh my God. Oh, thank God. Like we both were like audibly like, oh, yay, great. Thank you. And all it took was an extra line or two. And then making sure you made a point to connect it through Mm -hmm. the rest of the story. That was it. It was so simple. And then they kept everything that was amazing from before. I was so worried. My, My favorite song in the musical is America. It's a fabulous song. It's everything I love about Sondheim. And I was so worried because it's perfection in the other one. It just is. And it's Rita Marino's like big moment. Yep. And in this film, it is just as gorgeous and fun. And it makes it so vibrant. And just the feeling that they're trying to evoke is there. And I loved it. It's great. And then Rita Marino has a role in this that was... Her role doesn't exist in the original one. It's changed. They also made it a cheeky reference to the original film. It's lovely and she's precious. And everyone protect Rita Marino with your life because she just turned 90. Love her. Love her. This is going to be the rare case where it's going to get nominated for everything Mm -hmm. and it's going to have deserved every single bit of it. Just like what we said with A Star is Born, every nomination it gets it deserves. Same thing here. I don't, I, we can't, we can't really say about winning, but it deserves every nomination it gets. Yeah. Next we watched Being the Ricardos. Follows Lucy and Desi as they face a crisis that could end their careers and another that could end their marriage. The conceit of this film was very strange, but made sense to me. I've, it's, I don't think it's secret. We have a daughter named Lucy and the number one Lucy she is named after is Lucille Ball. Because I grew up watching I Love Lucy. I know way too much about that show. So for me, like them putting it in like this is one week of the production and their marriage made sense to me. Like, okay, we're going to we're going to go through all these motions in this cycle of their life. And it was so interesting. It was so good. Our two leads are fantastic. I still wish somebody else had been cast. But (laughs) Nicole Kidman seems like a weird choice. She did a fabulous job. She's a little jarring because they did something with her eyelids that makes her not look like Nicole Kidman, but that's fine. She does a fabulous job. The stuff with Javier Bardem is all valid. It's all valid. Would have been nice to have had a Cuban actor uh, or an actor with some Cuban descent play this role. 100% valid. I really love that they have a native Spanish speaker. Mm -hmm. And Javier has all the charm that Desi had. He did. Like when he sings Babalu, I'm like, that's Desi Arnaz. That's what it is. I mean, I, it, it is. And Lucy Arnaz, their child, has said that he captured my dad's spirit. And so, again, as I've said before, when the family of the person that you're portraying likes what you did, I, it's, it's hard for me to be as mad about it because <laughs> that's their person and they love it. So, okay. Like, is it perfect? No. Is it good? Yes. More than anything, a man who should just really stop talking and keep writing. Yes. Because he keeps writing fucking great scripts. We did this last year. Trial of the Chicago 9 was one of the best written fucking movies we saw. It absolutely was. 100%. Was it the best movie? No, but the script was phenomenal. And yet again. (laughs) 
he knocks this out of the park and he's doing something different. Yes. Like he, the inner workings and the drama and this and that. Yes. But he did actual comedy in here and digs that are great. He did not use his pink pinball line, which I'm very happy about because I'm sick of hearing it. But also he peppered in things that if you know about the inner workings of I Love Lucy, you learn about, or you hear like, oh, they're hinting at that thing, that thing, the thing that I know about, which is great to those of us who grew up watching I Love Lucy, who love it. This film is way better than it deserves to be, but it is fabulous and very fun. He uh, just stopped talking, dude. He just, he needs to stop talking and stop being a jackass. I'm mad about your talent. That's what Next we saw Licorice Pizza. The story of Alana Kane and Gary Valentine growing up, running around, and going through the treacherous navigation of First Love in the San Fernando Valley, 1973. This movie is trash. Don't see it. <sighs> it's trash in that really frustrating way of there's really about two things you had to fix, Paul, and it would have worked really well. And then the movie would have been okay. But let's just put it this way. The framework is a 15-year-old boy in love with a 25-year-old woman and they're friends. Creepy as fuck. That's the framework of your movie. Don't see it. <laughs> it's going to get nominated for shit and it will have not deserved any of it. What's really frustrating for me is being a Paul Thomas Anderson fan, like <laughs> very much so. He's made some fabulous movies that we genuinely adore. There's like five ways to fix this and all of the surrounding stuff Mm -hmm. All of the ensemble supporting stuff in this movie is so fucking fun. And to yeah. ruin it with a story that could have been so good. It would have been so easy to change it just like 10 degrees the other way. And it would have been, okay, fine. And then everything that happens is fine. Yeah. Like, I'm not on board the train of that. There's, there's been so much discourse about this movie. Some of it is very, very well earned. There's some really terrible jokes that don't need to be made because they're not funny and they don't add anything mm -hmm. i do agree with the thing of like it's okay to potentially talk about what's an inappropriate relationship if you're actually going to talk about it to me the problem with this movie is not that it depicts an inappropriate relationship because i and i understand there's a line in the sand for people sure for me it's that it does it so fucking terribly <laughs> Well, here's the thing that, that pisses me off. It's because, well, it's set in the 70s. And this happened all the time in the 70s. I don't give a fuck you're making this movie in 2021. This shit don't fly. And honestly, in every interview, that's basically what he said. Of course it is. So it pisses me off and I'm mad at him. And I gave it way more time in my life than it deserves. So uh, don't go see it. It's not worth your time. Frustrating. Next, we saw Nightmare Alley. An ambitious carny with a talent for manipulating people with a few well-chosen words hooks up with a female psychiatrist who is even more dangerous than he is. This one was a lot of fun. This is a great movie. I don't know what people are complaining about with this movie. I mean, it's a noir film. It's Guillermo del Toro, so there's going to be some like horror and gore elements to it. But not really? Eh, a little bit. But it was so fun. Like, I really enjoyed it. Bradley Cooper was great. Like, the whole cast is great. It's a little long. It's a little long. But I didn't care because I was enjoying the story. 
this was just a fantastic all around really well made film. Mm-hmm. What I really loved is that in a lot of ways it was subtle. Guillermo known for being very bold mm-hmm. <laughs> in what he does. And in this, it almost felt subtle where it's like, yeah, he's doing that Guillermo color palette thing. Sure. But he's doing it for the feel and the vibe of the noir, not for the horror and supernatural stuff. So this is a movie where he really did the show, not tell thing. Mm-hmm. And it worked really, really well. And it was really fun. Yeah, it was good. I really enjoyed it. It also makes me want to read the book. And I didn't even know that they made a film out of it in the 40s. That makes me want to see that version. Yeah, I had heard him talking about the fact that it's not a remake of that film. It's a readaptation of the original book. Which just makes me go, wow, that sounds like a fascinating read. And finally, finally, we watched The Matrix Resurrections. Return to a world of two realities. One, everyday life. The other, what lies behind it. To find out if his reality is a construct, to truly know himself, Mr. Anderson will have to choose to follow the white rabbit once more. Okay, so we gotta be up front. We rewatched two and watched three for the first time before we watched this. And it was based on that that we're like, you know what? We have HBO Max. We're not gonna pay money for number four. Just... I was really excited about it. And then I watched three and I was like, no. So we watched it at home and I thoroughly regret that. (laughs) I don't fully regret it, honestly. I don't know that anything that we saw, like at first I was like, oh God, we should have done this. And then halfway through, I was like, you know, honestly, it's fine. (laughs) I would have liked the experience because it's really good. This film is fully aware of itself. And it's just, it's fun. Everyone I see complaining about this movie, and there are a lot of people complaining about this movie, did not get the point of the movies in the first place. Mm -hmm. This is Lena Wachowski finally telling the story she always wanted to tell the entire Mm -hmm. time, but had to fight against studios to be able to do so. Well, fighting studios and then own personal battles. So it's so fun. Yeah, so I'm really, it was really fun. It it was great. It's the sequel that the original deserves. Sure. And it does, it's so smart, so incredibly self-referential in a way that only expands the universe. Yeah, it's not in a, some of it, there's a couple lines that are a little cheeky, but completely earned. And then it's also like, Oh, okay. This is what we're doing because it's like things that they had previously alluded to, they just flat out say, which is really cool and fun to see. And it just, it was a good time. It's a good time movie. Mm -hmm. But you do not need to see two or three to watch this one. I don't, I don't think you need it. No. I mean, I will also be clear most people who are going to see this movie will have sat down to watch those two at some point. Because I think people who gave up on it early are probably never going to go watch this. But what I'm saying is if you only ever saw one and you're like, I was never interested in two or three, you can skip those to enjoy this film and that will be fine. You'll you'll like it. And that is the rest of the movies that we saw in 2021. Yeah. 16. 16 freaking 16 movies. Films. Uh, we still have a bunch more to hit our list before Oscar nominations come out on February 8th. 
too many. Not too many. I think we have three that were like, mm, these are the ones we need to try to see because they're most likely. And then there were a few that were like, yeah, I don't want to pay money for that until it's actually nominated. You tell me it's nominated. I'll go figure out a way to watch it. There we Yeah, that's that's how we like to do those things. So until next time. Have a good movie. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. (laughs) 